You're listening to the People's Podcast. The MAGA people are not exactly the the, uh, the easiest to deal with. Fuck the MAGA people. <laughs> this is JSC Radio. That is definitely going to be in the promo. I think what Nike, one of the biggest global brands in all the world, has done is says, Colin Kaepernick, you're not alone. You're not as tainted as people would lead you to believe. For them, for Nike... To bring Colin Kaepernick on board, Skip, mm-hmm. for this slogan, the 30th anniversary, lets me know they've done their homework. Now, they researched this in and out, got all the numbers, all the analytics. They believe that this is not going to hurt their business. I, we see I, Papa John's. They're fighting with the guy that started Papa John's because they believe he's bad for business. Yep. So what we've seen is that if, biz- if a business thinks a person is bad for business, they try to sever ties. Mm-hmm. Sever, sever mm-hmm. ties. They don't link up yep. for Nike to say, Colin, we want you. Now, he's, he was always uh, uh, an endorsee. He wore the Nike shoes, so he was endorsee. Mm-hmm. But not to this. Mm-hmm. Not to this extent, uh, uh, extent Skip. I am I'm shocked. This is the Moby Dick. Because you've always asked, well, Shannon, what do you think if, if one of these white quarterbacks, a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, well, they got the Moby Dick of brands to sign up and say, Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. we believe in your message. We believe in what you're trying to do. And mm-hmm. we want to get on board. We want you on our board. This is huge. Mm-hmm. I get, and, and people are like, well, if you look back at Nike's history, they've always kind of done things like this. You remember when Michael Jordan, Skip, Michael Jordan wearing a red and black shoe when at the time the NBA said the shoe had to be solid white is one thing. Nothing Michael Jordan did was ever as divisive as this issue, what Colin Kaepernick is doing. Mm-mm. You on one side or the other. And it kind of is kind of like coming down racial lines. There are some, you know, some whites that says, okay, I see what Colin Kaepernick is doing. I understand. There are some blacks saying, I don't get it, do that some other time. True. But 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 for the most part, it's down racial lines. Mm-hmm. And for Nike to say, you know what? We want to be a part of this. We want to be on the right side of history. Sometimes, Skip, when you feel you've been buried, you've actually been planted. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now. Guess who's back, damn it. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 84th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Yes, sir. Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that never fing ends. Coming to you from the JSC Radio studios here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Back at your ass one more time. First time in a couple of weeks as we enter into, we're not quite in the fall, especially if you've been outside in Philadelphia. It for damn sure don't feel like fall outside, but we're into the month of September. Birthday just passed a couple days ago. I'm a year away from 40 years old, damn it. And that is just so, so damn bizarre. But I want to thank each and every one of y'all for rolling with me as always here on the People's Podcast and across all, and I do mean all, let me, I want to make sure I get that clear to you, all of your favorite podcast providers, that's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, the TuneIn app, Audio Boom, iHeartRadio, and of course, on Spotify. 
plus on any other. This is Radio Public as well. And any other podcast app you can think of. If you put the name of this podcast in JSC Radio, it's there. And I appreciate that. Each and every one of you, I appreciate you checking out the show and showing love no matter where your ass is. Where have I been? A little bit of everywhere. Whether it's in the Motor City, whether it's in the City of Brotherly Love, whether it's in New York City. New York City! I'm everywhere lately. And we'll talk more about a jaunt I made up to New York City at the end of the show here as we get ready for next week's episode. But first things first, man, you effing with the worst. And you heard the patron saint of this show, Shannon Sharp. But I guess before I go into that, I probably should at least address a tweet that I sent out yesterday at J. Scott Smith, verified, original, about my birthday. My 39th birthday was on September 5th. I know when you see me, you do not believe I'm that damn close to 40. But I am. And anybody who knows me and anybody who's even followed this show knows that this has not been the best year for me professionally. But when you get to 39, you get to be very reflective of a lot of shit. You get to be very reflective about your place in the world. You get to be very reflective about what it is you do and what it is you want to do and where you see yourself or where you should be. And you think about it, 39 is such a weird kind of spot. It really is. It's just kind of a uh, kind of spot. I mean, nobody ever talks about 39 being the new 29, do they? Like, seriously, do they? And by the way, if you do say that, stop. That, that, shit's, that shit's corny. But I mean, I can't even think of a high-profile athlete who wore the number 39. I think the closest I can remember is Ray Crockett when he played for the Detroit Lions, wore the number 39. But that's it. I can't name a major basketball player or baseball player or hockey player who rocked 39. Ray Crockett was a, was a good defensive back, but that's it. 39 is just kind of there. It's like when you turn 26, you're just kind of, uh, you were 25, now you're not 25. And the next big mile marker is what, 28 before 30? You get to 30, it's like, okay, 31, 2, 3, 4, 5, then uh, then 40. And this has been a year that has been difficult for me. I try not to hide it. I'm sure as hell I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to act like this hasn't been. This podcast has kept me sane, but it's been, it's been an interesting journey. One of the toughest years of my professional life by a, by a mile to be honest with you. And yet I'm still here. And yet I'm still standing. Even in an industry that at times doesn't know whether it wants to be progressive or it wants to regress and hide behind bullshit journalist norms. I'm going to get a lot more into that on the next episode in 85. But I, I just know for me, on a personal level, 39 is kind of like it is what it is. You have to understand when you're 39 and you're black and you're male, just getting to 39 years old is considered an accomplishment in and of itself. And usually if you get to 39, you look like you've lived every single day of those 39 years. I'm lucky, relatively speaking. People see me on the street, they don't believe I'm a day over 32, 33. On a good day, I can look 30. But you feel it as a black man. I always say this, black women, I understand what you go through, but we go through some different shit, and you know this. 
it's not the easiest thing being a black man in America. Where at separate points in your life, you are essentially and effectively told that your life does not matter. You're constantly questioned to what you're doing here. These are all things we've hit on this podcast in multiple instances. So this isn't anything new. I'm not breaking any new ground when I talk about this. But what Shannon Sharp talked about, as you could hear there at the beginning, was dealing with the biggest story during the opening week of what stands to be one of the more controversial NFL seasons ever. I'll get into some fun stuff on the second half of this show about the NFL season. Hi, Lions. I would be derelict in my duty if I didn't talk about this. If you remember, it was two years ago that I first talked about Colin Kaepernick. First, he sat out the national anthem straight up, sat on the bench, said, get, sat on the bench. That caused an uproar. Mind you, he explained why he did it after the game. You know, I have great respect for men and women that have fought for this country. I have family. I have friends that have gone and fought for this country. And they fight for freedom. They fight for the people. They fight for liberty and justice for everyone. And that's not happening. I mean, people are dying in vain because this country isn't holding their end of the bargain up as far as, you know, giving freedom and justice and liberty to everybody. It's something that's not happening. And I've seen videos, I've seen circumstances where men and women that have been in the military have come back and been treated unjustly by the country they fought for and have been murdered by the country they fought for on our land. That's not right. I threw that in there for you dumbasses who oddly continue to insist that he doesn't know what he's protesting. These NFL players never said what they're protesting. They've never been clear about it. It couldn't be more clear if there were if there were a bottle of Windex nearby, you fucking simpletons. But I continue. Two years ago, we talked about this. He talks to Nate Boyer, an Army veteran, white guy, who, who suggests that instead of sitting during the national anthem, you take a knee, which he did. And boy, did it get all these racist white people's knickers in a twist. Knicker, like Knickerbocker, like the New York Knicks. Not, not that N-word that those other people like to say. Ever since then, Kaepernick embarked on probably not his best season of his career. But you would have thought that he was Dan Orlovsky in 2008, the way that the Twitter racists and the Trump lovers would describe him. He opted out of his contract because he knew he was going to be cut by the 49ers. Again, details. And he embarked on free agency and no team signed him. And we've been down that road too. And after that, no team signed him again this year. And we've been through that again. No team has even attempted to sign him to the point where he has filed a federal lawsuit against the NFL for colluding to keep him out of the league. And about the only organization that has more brazenly committed some sort of act of collusion is sitting over at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue down in D.C. Because the NFL has very actively worked to keep Colin Kaepernick out of the league. Even the allegedly progressive teams haven't taken a shot on him. And that's why we've seen so much driftwood and garbage as quarterbacks in the NFL. You ain't got to look no further than the Buffalo Bills, who are going to run Nate Peterman, out there is their starting quarterback on Sunday. Nathan Peterman. The same Nathan Peterman 
who threw five interceptions in the first half of his first NFL game. The Nathan Peterman, who was so bad he was benched in favor of Tyrod Taylor, who then dragged the Bills through the back door into the playoffs last year. The same Tyrod Taylor that the Bills couldn't wait to get rid of. They're going to run that guy out there. Colin Kaepernick could start for the Buffalo Bills right now. Colin Kaepernick is better than either of the two dudes backing up Matthew Stafford in Detroit right now. Tell me he's not better than Matt Castle. Tell me he's not better than Jake Rudock. I don't want to hear it. But this dude has been kept out of the NFL. Now, in the amount of time since he's been gone, he was still under contract to Nike for an endorsement deal that he signed when he first came into the league and took the league by storm. Because... According to, the Twitter, according to the Twitter racist, Kaepernick has always been a substandard quarterback, despite the fact that the some bitch was one play away from winning a Super Bowl. With Jim Harbaugh on the sideline as a head coach. Try that on. This dude's been kept out of the league, but he was kept under contract by Nike, and his contract was coming up. And it was announced earlier this week that he would be the face of a new Nike 30th anniversary, just do it campaign. And boy, did that send those Twitter racists into a motherfucking tizzy. You saw it all day on Labor Day. It was one of the most hilarious nights of Twitter I had seen in a long damn time. Grown ass men. Well, allegedly grown ass men. Throwing a hissy fit. Because let me tell you, can't nobody throw a better hissy fit than a grown-ass white man. And they were throwing hissy fits on Twitter. You got people, including the doofus who is the sound guy for that doofus country singer. What's his name? Big and rich, thick and rich, whatever it is. His sound guy cutting the swooshes off of his Nike socks and holding them up for the camera. You got these other marks out here burning their Nikes that they already paid for. Look here, man. I can't imagine a situation, and I brought this up previous episodes. I couldn't imagine a situation where I got so mad I burn up shit I already bought. Throw it out? Sure. Burn it up? And to make a spectacle of myself so I can show the world how much of a dumb shit I am? No. You got the lady who sat on Twitter talking about she's going to take her business to Converse because they, 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 they think they wouldn't dare get behind a controversial, quote unquote, controversial sports figure. Not realizing that Nike owns Converse. You have people all over the place, whether it's social media, whether it's television, Continuing to play dumb, even though in most cases I don't think they're playing, about why Kaepernick is out of the league, claiming that he voluntarily left. He quit. He didn't. He he quit. He he had his chance and he turned it down. That's, of course, tied to that bullshit story that John Elway told in Denver that he turned down a contract offer, a contract offer, which was a steep pay cut from what he had been making in San Francisco. The son of a bitch got to a Super Bowl and damn near won it with a franchise that hadn't done Bupkis in 20-plus years. Oh, but his last season in the league. So what? He had one bad season out of six. One bad season out of six, and he did more for his franchise than Matthew Stafford's done in Detroit. People are so butthurt 
That's a phrase I don't tend to use often, but they're so butthurt about this. I'm going to boycott Nike. We'll show you Reebok. Here we come. Hey, jackass. Reebok was trying to sign him before Nike re-upped. Oh, I'm going to go to Adidas. Adidas was going to sign him before Nike re-upped. But he's not even an athlete. Yes, he is. But he's disrespecting the troops. They're protesting the anthem and the flag. No, they're not, dipshit. They're protesting police brutality. We've already, we've already established this. Well, he's just making it up. There's no such thing as police brutality. They're all lies. He's falsely attacking police officers. It's real. And you're pretty much either a complete moron or you're so hung up on hating this guy that you're willing to deny reality. Well, he, he's talking about sacrificing. He didn't sacrifice the way that, that uh, Pat Tillman sacrificed. Pat Tillman would have been the first one to take a knee. Pat Tillman, one of those little ugly truths you don't like to talk about. Yes, Pat Tillman left the Arizona Cardinals out of a feeling that he was compelled to fight for the country. Nothing but respect for that. He died during war, which is terrible. He died at the hands of an American soldier in a friendly fire incident and was then, I might add, used as a political prop by the George W. Bush administration to help prop up the war. I'm sick and tired of seeing troops being used as shields for your bigotry and your bullshit. But that's gone on forever. I stumble across this thing on Facebook, and you might have seen the video of it from a couple of weeks ago, where it was a viral video of this talk show. I'm not even sure if it airs on regular TV. I know it airs on Facebook, where this comedian named Al basically goes off on this line of thinking. Well, today, today, there was this very smarmy white guy that I don't even know his name. I think it's called The Daily Watch. I think that's the name of it. This very smarmy white guy with this douchebag hairstyle who dared to say that if you go back to 19... Because this is the new thing that's being passed around is the story of how the national anthem became a thing at sporting events. And it was 1918. How in 1918, 100 years ago during the World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs, that it was in the height of World War I when during the seventh inning stretch, the U.S. Army Band, which customarily at that time played during World Series games, World Series games were also played during the day back then, and World Series games were also played during the day by two teams full of nothing but white guys, and in most cases there were nothing but white guys in the stands, that the band played the national anthem and one of the Red Sox players who was on leave from the Navy bounced to his feet and stood at attention and saluted and everybody followed suit. And then from that point on, the band would play the national anthem before every game. And by 1931, President Roosevelt made the Star Spangled Banner the official national anthem, blah, 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 blah. This dude tried to use 1918 as the crucible. Just look at all the unity. It was during the height of World War I, and they were able to come together and unify and support our troops and support our country in unity, and it was beautiful. And that's what Kaepernick and others are spitting on when they protest the national anthem. First off, moron, they're not protesting the goddamn anthem. Secondly, how dare you, of all the time periods you want to pull up, you pull up 1918. 
1918 was 100 years ago. During the First World War, 1918, let me help you out here. In 1918, let's just assume these soldiers that we were unifying in front of and the country was united behind them. There were black soldiers fighting in World War I. All that unity of the Star Spangled Banner and, 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 and American Dream and Apple Pie because it, it was such an easier time in 1918. In 1918, when those black soldiers came back to the United States, what did they come back to encounter? Lynchings police brutality, being told you can't eat in this restaurant, being told you better not be seen in this town after sundown, being greeted by the formation of a rejuvenated Ku Klux Klan marching in the streets, by being told that, sure, you can vote, but first thing you got to do is tell me how many jelly beans are in this jar or answer these questions on this reading exam. And tell me that you actually deserve to be able to vote. You can take your unity and shove it up your ass, you simpleton. I could almost see if he pulled out 1968. He still would have been stupid. But to evoke, of all things, 1918 World War I. There's been a second world war since then. And a Korean War. And a Vietnam War that they really don't like to talk about. There's been two Gulf Wars. There's been Grenada. There's been every possible conflict you can think of. And you're going to pull the first world war out your ass as proof that we should all unify that just brings the country together shut the fuck up you fucking simpleton colin kaepernick is likely going to be regarded in the same light as guys like muhammad ali and bill russell bobby mitchell not you jim brown you used to be a part of that grouping and oh you can't say oh you can't compare kaepernick to ali why can't i he sacrificed his career he sacrificed his career and stood up for what he believed in he stood up for what he believed in despite the fact that this country is showing him very clearly that in the very least, they don't want to hear about our struggle, but at worst, they're perfectly fine with it and we should shut up and take it. Stop complaining, you're rich. This country is not racist, you're rich. This country is not racist, you're just making that up. Those are just isolated incidents. What about the white people killed by police? Got of here. Colin Kaepernick secured the damn bag. Nike took a calculated risk by keeping him. Because in a lot of cases, guys like him aren't touched by major companies. Nike's different. Oh, another thing that this, this moron on the Daily Watch said, something to the effect of Nike could have chosen J.J. Watt for their spokesman or, or, or Tiger Woods, someone less controversial. First off, dumbass, J.J. Watt is signed to Reebok, who I mentioned was trying to get Kaepernick before he re-upped. Secondly, what J.J. did ain't no different than what Kaepernick's doing. Same thing. Third, Tiger Woods? You mean the same Tiger Woods who's, I can't recall anything he's done for the black community? While Kaepernick has donated millions and matched $10,000 donations to charities? Tiger Woods was out here driving pilled up and cheating on his wife. Colin Kaepernick did no such thing. And that people continue to try to conflate what he did with the criminal behavior of so many other guys in the NFL who've gotten so many more opportunities than this son of a bitch did makes no sense to me. None. Nike is taking a calculated risk that they're going to be on the right side of history. Nike has stood by some really problematic guys in the past 
So getting behind Kaepernick is nothing because he's in a hell of a lot better spot than, say, Kobe Bryant or Tiger Woods. I don't see the issue. But the thing is, people don't like to face facts. Oh, well, why can't he protest in another way? Oh, but it makes people uncomfortable. That's what protests are. If a protest made you comfortable, it's not a fucking protest, is it, Junior? I'm proud of Colin Kaepernick. As someone who has stood up for what he believed in, and has made noise and doesn't really give a damn about access and connections. I can not, I can do nothing but look up to the guy because I think what he stands for is bigger than anything in sports. And I always tell people that this podcast, and I've been asked a lot lately, that this podcast isn't a sports show. It is and it isn't. I look at sports as a metaphor for life. And there's no greater metaphor for life in sports than Colin Kaepernick. Because when you see what he's done where he has managed to leverage, whether he wanted to do this or not, he's leveraged the NFL, he's leveraged pro football into the American conversation. And yes, you have the likes of Donald Trump bastardizing it and prostituting it and trying to use it to score points with the racist redneck morons. But the fact that Colin Kaepernick's mere existence has driven so many butthurt rednecks to start burning up their, their, their Air Force Ones in the streets out of protest, while laughable, it shows how powerful he is. And if only these people got this pissed off at actual injustices instead of trying to write them off or blame the victim, you know, kind of like what they do with child molestation and sexual assault of women. Colin Kaepernick is going to mess around and find himself being seen as an American hero, similar to how Muhammad Ali was, for example. And the interesting thing is Muhammad Ali sacrificed the prime of his boxing career to stand up for his convictions, refusing to fight in the Vietnam War. So you can keep your phony BS about, oh, he's disrespecting the troops. No, he's not. A number of high profile and regular average everyday soldiers, the ones who are actually out here fearing for their lives. The, the ones who are actually out here returning to this country and being treated like garbage by its citizens, being stepped over. When I go over to Franklin Square Park here in Philadelphia, or when I look around when I'm back home in Detroit, or when I've been in Chicago, or when I've been in New York, there are homeless vets on the streets that too often you people won't even give half a look to. They may approach you on the street and ask you for money, ask you for food, ask you for help, and you step over them like dog shit. But then you want to sit out here and point to Pat Tillman and say, see, why didn't he sacrifice like Pat Tillman? He wouldn't give you the time of day. Colin Kaepernick is doing this. And don't forget Eric Reed. He hasn't been able to find a job in the NFL either. Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick and Malcolm Jenkins and so many of these other players who've taken knees and raised black power fists in solidarity know what they're doing. And you can play dumb and be butthurt and burn your Nikes and cut the swoosh off your shorts and all this other stupid shit that you throwing these hissy fits on Twitter, do it. It just shows you how much of an idiot mark you are. For the rest of us out here, we're simply looking at a guy like Colin Kaepernick as an inspiration to a generation of young black men, black women. Hell, there are white men, white women, brown kids, everybody who looks up to this cat. And you can make your little stupid excuse, he wasn't even that good of a player. He's better than the quarterback on your team right now. Unless you're like Tom Brady or something. He's better than your quarterback on your squad. Unless you're Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. 
So stop that. Stop it right now. Bravo to Colin Kaepernick. Kudos to Nike. You just got yourself at least $45 from me the other day when I bought some new hoop shorts, and I might go out and get another pair just to poke some butthurt redneck in the eye. My name is J. Scott Smith, and that's just one of my pet peeves. I got plenty of them. One of my pet peeves has also been that Philly Mag got out here and effectively said that millennials are killing mayonnaise. You want to know, honestly, what could kill mayo? It's the tangy zip of Miracle Whip. That's right, damn it. Miracle Whip, the perfect combination of creamy mayo and salad dressing can add a zip to anything. I just got back here from Detroit on Labor Day, enjoying an early birthday barbecue with my parents. And my mother made her legendary potato salad. And what goes into that potato salad? But the tangy zip of Miracle Whip. You can put it on sandwiches, on salads, in tuna fish. Use it however you like. Be sure to stay tangy. Go to MiracleWhip.com, damn it. And check out all these different recipes for Miracle Whip. Coming up after the break, I whip up a little something on this NFL season. And of course, you already know who I'm going to be talking about. It's the Motor City Kitties. And no, I'm not talking about the Tigers who have Mario and Rod beating the shit out of each other. No, I'm talking about the Detroit Lions and how uh, this may not be the best season for them, especially with a new head coach. I also want to shout out my man, Doc Illingsworth. He's got a new album coming out September the 28th called You're No Fun. And during the time I was away from you guys, he and my man, Open Mike Eagle, dropped a new single. It's called Peeves. And I'm going to drop it right here for you. Plus, I'm going to put a link in the description for you to be able to buy this song and pre-order the album, which drops again on September the 28th. My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is the 84th episode. Episodia 84 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. Doc Illusworth. My vocals, put them above beats. I hate submarine sandwiches and subtweets. I hate when I post to a dates on the Instagram. Commenters asking when, read it if you give a damn. Jeez, I mean, it's right there in the post. You only gotta read it. Ah, I'm deep breathing. Dang. Don't attempt to fly to be a hate, but new electronics don't come with batteries. Come on, man. Why you try to send me to the store? How the fuck this mattress fitting in between a door frame? And rappers, I'm calling your names. Pronouncing words wrong to rhyme like November rain. See? Sounds pretty awful. Don't get in my car hiding anything unlawful. Mom, at least say something first. Why you riding dirty, fool? You almost 30. I should confess pet peeves Such as having my chest squeezed by pests with wet sleeves I hate breaking up dead leaves Especially on windy days But being out in the sun for too long 
feels like having your skin whipped and flayed. My guess is that it's similar to being prince and having the power and strength of the Black Panther stripped away. Hate McDonald's menus, specifically the fish fillet. I hate tipping waiters who simple labors didn't cater to my whims in favor of a misbehavior. Yeah, I hate it when they kill Billy and Predator. My gears grind when customers ahead of me willfully continue loud gossipy phone convos at the register. The clerk wanna hurt you, it's work. So learn virtue. I hate how granola bars explode apart like supernova stars. The manufacturers have no regard for any of us. That's how you get ants. Sugary crumbs. to the People's Podcast. And we swagger when we walk, because by God, we can. This is JSC Radio. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. You're listening to the People's Podcast. What do you do if you forget a lyric? I keep stepping. This is J.S.C. Radio. I misspoke. It's Matt Prater attempting a 62-yard field goal, and he pulls it to the left. It's going to come out of the end zone. This is Humphrey. This is Humphrey. 40. Midfield. Still on his feet. Humphrey. For the touchdown. No flags down. No flags down. Athletic player to return it. Yeah, got a bunch of offensive linemen trying to chase him down. That was a question, very questionable last 35 seconds of the half right there for Detroit. 109 yards for Adam Humphrey. You got big offensive linemen trying to cover a kick, and nobody out there really that can tackle. 
Yeah. So, uh, it looks like it might be another one of those years in Detroit. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 84th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back across all the different podcast providers, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on TuneIn, on Radio Public and Audio Boom, and of course on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Damn it, it's good to be back here. Jay Scott Smith also want to get this out there to you now. The Patreon page will be making a return. The Patreon page will be making a return, and I will tell you more about that at the end of this segment. Want to thank you once again for your support. Want to shout out the Mellow Music Group. They're the ones who are putting together the Illingsworth You're No Fun album. The one that's coming out on September the 28th. You heard Peeves. There's some other dope tracks on there. Want to shout out all the Detroit City homies. Shout out to my man Strife, who, by the way, celebrated a birthday with me on September 5th. And everybody out there who celebrated a birthday on September 5th. Everybody who enjoyed their Labor Day weekend. Everybody who is enjoying the quote-unquote end of summer. Technically, summer doesn't end for three weeks, but the end of summer, as it is still hotter than shit out here in Philadelphia. So the end of summer, it ain't nowhere near us right now. Not the way that this weather is feeling, damn it. J. Scott Smith, once again, you also want to follow me on the Twitter machine at J. Scott Smith. I am verified. Original. I am also on Twitter for the show at J. SC Radio. You can get at me on Instagram at J. Scott Smith, where I will soon be verified on there. You can get at me on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. Original. Yes, sir. I am also verified on there. You can go to the website, jscottsmith.com. That's the mothership. Or, of course, you can hit me up on Patreon, patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Again, more information on the return of the Patreon page coming up at the end of the show. So what you heard there, that abomination you heard, courtesy of CBS, that abomination you heard there was the Detroit Lions, who apparently were in midseason form during a meaningless preseason game. Now, normally, I don't talk about the preseason. I made it very clear I don't talk about the preseason. I don't do the preseason in any sport. It's not a football thing. I don't talk about spring training. I sure as hell am not talking about NBA preseason. An NHL preseason, that might as well not even exist. So I don't even pay much mind to that. But I will say this. The Detroit Lions look bad. I know. Duh. They've looked that way for a majority of the last 60 years. But this seems a little different. This segment's not going to be too long because I just can't with them right now. The NFL season officially started as I'm recording this. Not far from here, the Eagles as they're known as around here. The Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions, are facing the Atlanta Falcons over at Lincoln Financial Field as they officially set off the NFL season. But the Lions are one of the two Monday night games that will close out week one of this 2018 NFL season. They will host the New York Jets. So what have we learned? Because I have not really talked about this team since way the hell back in January. Because once they torpedoed their faint playoff hopes, losing inexplicably to Cincinnati, who then inexplicably went out and beat Baltimore and ended their playoff hopes a week later, I ain't said much about the Lions. I talked about them hiring Matt Patricia. I talked about Bob Quinn, the general manager, just having to do something 
because the old, well, but we were 9-7, and seven, but at least we're not 0-16 like the Browns. By the way, the Cleveland Browns, they actually look like they're going to be pretty good. Well, the Lions went 0-16 10 years ago. They drafted Matthew Stafford and just basically said, here you go. They didn't really go out of their way to do anything else. They got in Dominican Sioux. They had a nice turnaround season in 2011 and then have just been kind of treading water ever since. The Browns made wholesale changes. They did something Detroit refused to do. They decided to be aggressive in their rebuild. Now, it could completely go just kaboom in their faces, but at least I give them a lot more effort or a lot more applause for their effort of at least trying instead of just drafting a quarterback and hoping for the best, what the Lions did. But that's essentially what they did with Matt Patricia. They hired a former Patriots assistant who may or may not have, you know, sexually assaulted a woman when he was in college, and somehow the the Lions people never bothered to vet that out, or worse off, maybe they did and they just didn't care. And this team, hmm, how can I put this in a diplomatic way? Sucks. From what I've seen of this team, I never sat and watched an entire preseason game. In fact, this is the rarest of rarities where I think I may have watched all of, a, of one half of one quarter of a preseason game. I saw a little bit of the first preseason game against the Raiders, and I saw bits and pieces of their game against Cleveland, the, the closeout game of the preseason. They went one and three. Again, none of this matters. I couldn't tell you what they did last year in the preseason. The only reason I know what they did in 2008 is because they went 4-0 and in the preseason and 0-16 in the regular season. So... That's the only reason I know. Preseason is largely nominally meaningless, especially if you're a good team. The Eagles could go out and look terrible in the preseason. Nobody gives a shit. Patriots can go out and look terrible in the preseason. Nobody gives a shit. The Lions go out and look terrible in the preseason. Hmm. Especially since, as I've said numerous times, this is a franchise and a team that seems to have this attitude that they're better than what they actually are. That they're a better team and a better franchise than what they legitimately are. So these first five games of this Lions season are going to be pivotal because really you'll know what they are at the end of these first five games. And as I look at the first five games of their schedule, yes, I have their schedule up in front of me. The first five games of their schedule, after you get past the Jets on Monday night, they go to San Francisco, come home for the Patriots, go to Dallas, come home for Green Bay. If they don't win that Jet game, they could be staring down 0-5 when they hit the bye after the game against the Packers on October 7th. Because the Packers are going to have Aaron Rodgers back. And needless to say, it's a different franchise and a different team when Rodgers is there. Rodgers rolling to his left. Being chased, slipped the tackle. Rodgers is stepping up and lofting it deep down the field into the end zone. It is up and it is caught. Caught by the Packers. Richard Rodgers for a touchdown. Oh, no. You got to deal with Tom Brady. You got to deal with Jimmy Garoppolo, who looks like a superhero in San Francisco. Dak Prescott. Uh. And really, you have a rookie in Sam Darnold, the quarterback of the Jets. If they don't win on Monday, they're going to start 0-5. And then there's the Dolphins, where that's a, that's a pick em. That's a toss-up. The rest, of the rest of the schedule goes Seahawks, Vikings in Minnesota, Bears in Chicago. So back-to-back weeks in Minneapolis and in Chicago. Then you come home for the Panthers. Yikes. 
And considering the Bears just traded for Khalil Mack, that team might be a bit more of a work in progress, but I always maintain, last year was the rarity, I always maintain the Bears are going to beat the Lions at least once. And that might be it. Panthers at home, that's Newton, they're losing. Thanksgiving Day is the Bears. So there could be a win right there. Rams, loss. Cardinals, loss. Bills in mid-December in Buffalo. Yee. If that game were at Ford Field, I'd put it down as a W. In Buffalo, it's a toss-up because you never know what the weather's going to be. Home for Minnesota, yikes. At Green Bay, yikes to close out the season. There's a lot of yikes. Seattle, there's a lot of yikes there. I look at the Lions' schedule, and I'm hard-pressed to find more than four wins. Five if they happen to get hot. But if they start 0-5, this thing goes into the crapper very quickly, like Jim Caldwell's second season when he was 1-7 and the Lions were just so adamantly loyal to him that they let him attempt to dig his way out of that hole, and he ended up 7-9. and But it's a, new, it's a new day. Yes, it is. And I know this is a year where a lot of people are going to be claiming to be boycotting the NFL. I'm not watching you. Nope, you won't catch me watching. Anybody who goes out of their way to tell you they're not watching the NFL is for damn sure watching the NFL. You just don't need to tell anybody about it. And it's cool. Do what you do. I cannot afford to not watch the NFL. Because at some point, I'm going to get another gig, I think. So I'm not going to, you know, say too much about the NFL. But I know that some of y'all claim you're not watching it, and you are. I fully admit it. And I've said it over and over again on this show. New newcomers, go on back and check out some of the early editions of this show where I talk about these lines. It's a... it's 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 kind of it's kind of hilarious, but it's also kind of ugly. But this Lions schedule, speaking of ugly, I have them somewhere between four and twelve, worst case scenario, and six and ten, best case scenario, because they are what they are. Their defense, holy hell! If the preseason, which again, it's preseason, take it with a grain of salt. The preseason's any indication, this team's gonna be in for some ugly, ugly days. Offensively, they're still Matthew Stafford and a wing and a prayer. they got a couple of decent wide receivers. Golden Tate's pretty good, even though he's not as good as he thinks he is. Marvin Jones is pretty good, even though he's not as good as he thinks he is. Kenny, Doll- Kenny Galladay, that dude looks like he might actually be something if he doesn't get hurt and Stafford actually gets in the damn ball. You got LeGarrette Blunt, so you finally have a guy who can run the ball for short yardage, but they may be in too many long yardage situations to do anything with him. That offensive line could be a... Uh, bit of an issue as well because the one problem that Stafford had last year well he had many problems but the one big problem he had last year is that he couldn't stay upright long enough to really do anything he was constantly getting knocked on his ass you would see that happening aside from all the bad play calls bad luck and just terrible overall coaching by Jim Caldwell even when Stafford would have a moment to at least come up with something he's getting knocked on his ass because his offensive line just wasn't there and their old line doesn't look like it's any better now than it was last year As for special teams, we heard what happened in the damn intro. Why on earth are you having your kicker attempt a 62-yard field goal in the preseason? And furthermore, why would you do that if you made sure you didn't have a team out there who could make a damn tackle just in case it came up, I don't know, two yards short in the back of the end zone and allow a dude to go coast to freaking coast at the end of a first half? My thing is, I cannot judge the regular season on the preseason because God knows if I had to judge what they were going to do on the regular season 
off of garbage like this? Third and short. Sorry, I'm picked off. Nate Orchard down the sideline, and it is 23-0 Cleveland. You damn sure better prepare for at least one or two bitter-ass Lions episodes coming later on in the fall. Because here's my thing. Last year was the case study. Last year was me being here in Philadelphia to watch a team go on a legitimate bona fide Super Bowl run. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. The closest I came was with these damn Lions in 1991, and they went and lost the NFC Championship game in Washington. I haven't had that experience in my life that these crazy fools out here in Philadelphia had. And I still want to have it, but I ain't going to have it with this team. And it's, I've said it time and time again about the Lions on this show. The Lions are only held to a standard that they're basically given by the fans. And fans of this team are more than willing to let them get away with damn near anything. Even though, and yes, again, preseason. Even though it's just the preseason, there are some people who are just as pissed off at Patricia because he's just as much of a tool bag as Caldwell was. I mean, he came from New England. What would you expect? But this guy is already looks like he's in over his head. Again, preseason. We'll see on Monday night against the Jets. Who knows? Maybe the Lions will come out on Monday night and win 42-7. to Highly unlikely, but still. But for my own sanity... They need to exceed expectations for once. Do something that you're not expected to do on the positive end of things. Make some sort of headway and do something of merit. Hell, for my own sanity, as entertaining as it is for me to get on here and say things like this. Hope is not a goddamn strategy. Can we not? Or if nothing else, can you be so bad that I can just divest from you like I have the Tigers and the Pistons and the Red Wings? Because, hell, I ain't got no issue coming on here and doing a podcast on Spartan football because at least those sons of bitches actually went out and won, unlike, you know, a certain team in Ann Arbor. But if the Lions are here and they're any good, of course I'll at least take little shots at them and mention them on the podcast if they stink i'm not going to talk about them nearly as much but the one thing i don't need is this crap they've been the last four years where they're in the middle eight and eight nine and seven seven and nine i don't need that give me an absolute either be good like that 11 and 5 team that was before this podcast began even though that 11 and 5 team was really probably closer to you know eight and eight but that 11 and 5 team, good. Or just go 4 and 12 or 5 and 11 and leave me the fuck alone. And let me go on about my business with MSU. One way or the other, this football season between Colin Kaepernick and the Detroit Lions and all sorts of other insanity that's going to be going on as this league progresses because you know it's never a dull moment with pro and college football. By the way, anytime you guys want to start paying these players, it's I'd be more than happy to see that. Between pro and college football, it normally would be the most wonderful time of the year. The helmet rule, too. That's going to cost, it's probably going to cost the Lions one or two games. That helmet rule is another thing. Similar to targeting in college, but it's a rule that nobody seems to fucking understand. Good luck with that, by the way, later on in the year. But 
This league is a mess. This country is a mess. This industry is a mess. But it seems like we just can't get enough of that damn mess called the NFL. Well, at least for me until the baseball playoffs start, and then I have a bit of a detour. Coming up next week, episode 85, another landmark, Ochenta Isinko. And I mentioned at the start of this show that I took a trip up to New York City. It's New York City! Yes, 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 New York City. I went up there to take the show on the road to go talk to a dynamic reporter and a personal friend named Brittany Noble. Brittany was one of the first reporters to actually get the story of Ferguson, Missouri out to the rest of the world. The story of Michael Brown. But her story is far bigger than Ferguson. It's far bigger than St. Louis. It's about a journalist who's tired of not being allowed to tell stories and be herself. So next week, episode 85, I introduce the world to the noble journalist, Brittany Noble. That's right. You can add another guest to the list right here on the People's Podcast. And also, for those of you who will be a subscriber, and I'm sure I'll get plenty more of those as we move forward. If you're a subscriber to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash JSC Radio, you will hear the entire interview with Brittany Noble at least three days early. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio. The Patreon page is back, damn it. You can check out that interview and so many more JSC things early by simply subscribing to Patreon. But until then, my name is J. Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. Stay tangy with the tangy zip of Miracle Whip. Shouts out to my man Doc Illingsworth and Mellow Music Group. And we are out of here. I will see y'all next week with episode 85 and the entire interview with Brittany Noble. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Where I'm going to make the comparison is Ali was much less popular while he was engaged in his peaceful protest than we fondly remember when we think back on Muhammad Ali. And they are making a bet that history will judge Cap much more favorably than he is being judged right now. And they want to be on the right side of that history. They think it is important for their overall global brand to be on the right side of that history. And I know some people have taken issue with the sacrifice everything. And people have made the facile comparison of, oh, you really want to talk about sacrificing everything. What about our soldiers who sacrifice life and limb? If any of us, if people have bad things happen to them or injuries or whatever, and by the standard of did you die in a war, then all of us are going to fall short. But to Chris's point, he did sacrifice his career. He did sacrifice, I don't know what Nike's paying him. It's not the money he'd be making as an NFL quarterback. There's no question about it. So he did not only sacrifice money, he sacrificed the joy of playing football. And he did that for what he believes to be the greater good, of helping out people who need it. And I have tremendous respect for that. Check it out. You're listening to the People's Podcast. Hope is not a goddamn strategy. This is JSC Radio.
heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.